Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. And it seems that everybody's been on holiday this week. I've been away, just got back from Devon. Uh, but in a week when we've raised interest rates uh, in, for the highest amount since 27 years, a uh, half a percent rise uh, there, that we've got the highest rate, predicted rate of inflation at 13.3 since 1980. And we're on course for a five-quarter recession from the back end of this year and the early part of next year, it's been impossible to get hold of either the Prime Minister or the Chancellor of the Exchequer because they both appear to have been on holiday as well. Um, I I always feel bad when I go away that I leave things behind, but I think in terms of leaving things behind, I've never quite got to the level of leaving quite that level of devastation in my wake. Anyway, let's crack on with this week's therapy for me and let's have a bit of that twangy guitar. Monday. I mentioned last week that as we were staying only four miles away from uh, Tinmouth or Tenmouth, I pronounce it Tenmouth, not sure if it's Tenmouth or Tinmouth, but anyway, as we were staying only um, sort of four or five miles away, I was looking forward to getting back because I'd stayed there um, at a point probably 79, 80, I guess, um, because I was about I was about eight or nine. So somewhere at that sort of point in time, we, we stayed there. And it seemed such a huge, magical place. Uh, and I'd predicted, I think I mentioned last week, that it probably would seem a lot smaller. And it and it did. It was a lot smaller or seemed a lot smaller. Uh, I mean, I managed to do a 10k run around the front and and round sort of the back streets towards the, the bridge that crosses the estuary. So it's, it's big enough for a decent length run, uh, which took in the, uh, the seawall along uh, by the railway track. Um, so in that respect, but it as a place, it it felt it felt smaller. Um, the things that um, that were different, you couldn't get along the pier. Um, Temma's got a um, quite a nice pier, and you couldn't get along the the pier. But the amusement arcade was still in um, the pier. Now the things I remember, it's the first time I ever had slush, and it was still the best slush I ever had. It wasn't the branded slush puppy slush it was their own type they did raspberry and, um raspberry and or strawberry and orange and it was more like um kind of the taste of a calippo ice lolly or um so it was um it was a really nice rich slush i remember that distinctly as being the only place i ever managed to get a slush that tasted like that um and the other thing was the um they had Lots of these sort of machines whereby you it was it was about it was it was like a pinball machine sort of size and you um you ran a coin you had a little slot that kind of moved around and you tried to run the coin down a line for it to fall where it wasn't over the line you you won effectively by the coin um running so far then hitting something and then turning over and landing and it had to land within a within the, the 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 line itself and i think they were black and white it's about all i can remember i just remember playing this machine for hours um and it being something that was really 
um, really, you know, just the game to play in that arcade. The the interesting thing, um, and Tenmouth's faring okay. Um, there's some nice independent stores, a really nice independent coffee shop uh, called Ten Bean, which was which was very good and served a very good flat wine. Um, and I thought the place was holding up quite quite well. Um, but the thing that was weird weird at the pier when you went to the amusement arcades in the pier was that now it's all on tickets. So what you do is you 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 know let's say the um, the game that you play the the one that's a bit like a tipping a bit like a tipping point where you drop the, the the money in and it drops down and then it's got shelves and it's trying to knock coins off into slot at the bottom. Well, depending on how many coins you knocked into there, you got tickets instead of the two peas bag. And um, all the other games, so um, the kind of normal things you'd expect, the kind of shooting games and what have you, all the things where you have to, you know, the, the whack-a-mole kind of game, depending on how well you did on these games, you got tickets. So we whiled away half an hour and probably spent about a tenner, I would say, on various games because we were on a hoarding mission to gain tickets. And then, of course, you get to the end and you you have your clutch and there's a thing called a ticket eater and what you do is you go to the end of the uh, you know go to this machine and and you feed in your tickets and and then at the end it gives you a little slip with how many you've accumulated and we'd accumulated hundreds i mean two three four hundred whatever it was I can't remember exactly and then you went up and you exchanged it for something that literally would have cost you know a pound at one of the kind of assorted toy stores that you get at the coast you know, so be it a yo-yo or some form of squish ball or something. So you've done. I mean, obviously the enjoyment was, the excitement was in gaining the tickets. But when you actually came to do the exchange, it was like, you know, I've spent a tenner and I'm getting something back that's probably worth about 50p. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's something I've not, I mean, I don't go in amusement arcades very often. So maybe this is the the thing. Maybe it's the thing now for me. But I don't know. Tickets on Tenmouth Pier seemed quite new, really. And I have to say, and quite enjoyable. Tuesday. I read an article uh, on quiet quitting. And um, the reason why it came to mind was because we've been away with some friends this week. And... At one point through the week, something kicked off and he'd read an email and it involved a load of conversations and it disrupt, disrupted his week. Um, and I I'm, have a real problem with that. I think when you're on a holiday, and I think it's one of the major banes of smartphones, particularly if you have a smartphone um, that's provided by your workplace, um, in terms of the fact that you, it's very difficult not to look at your email. And it's very easy to be contacted, even if it's not an email, by some form of notification on a message or what have you. It's very difficult to switch off from work if you are if you have a single device. I would argue it's virtually impossible. Um, and quiet quitting is this thing that's kind of come about post-pandemic, which is just people not putting themselves forward for projects, not putting themselves forward for promotions, really changing their view of their work-life balance, and very, very quietly just shifting their emphasis away from their working life to their private life without really making a big thing of it, um, and just kind of being less available. And it's it's a phenomenon that's, that's out there, and it's 
being talked about and it's a thing. And I think I think it's interesting because I can't help thinking that we've slipped back into all those pre-pandemic things. In fact, actually what's happened, the pandemic's made it harder to get your work-life balance right because it's everybody got used through the pandemic because they had nothing to do. They, they you know, we worked at stranger hours. We did, we did longer hours and we worked because we'd, we'd got nothing to do. We actually needed work to a certain extent. Um, and yet that's now kind of been taken for granted a little bit. Um, and all I can say is that, uh, you know, my friend ended up getting quite annoyed and it, and it kind of, it ruined a few hours of an afternoon and it just shouldn't be a thing. It just absolutely shouldn't be a thing. So I hope quiet quitting's on the rise because that being on the rise and being talked about might get us to behave a bit better and not trouble people outside of work hours we shouldn't troubling we should actually be troubling each other outside of 10 to 4 you should allow people an hour in the morning and an hour towards the end of the day to get themselves together and make sure they finish the day at the right time in the right frame of mind and if somebody chooses to work longer that's fine but we should as a as a as a group of people say do you know what we're going to interact between 10 and 4 and then outside of the hours we're not going to trouble somebody if somebody wants to do some work fine but you're not going to get contacted. And you know one thing we're definitely not going to do? We're definitely not going to talk to you when you're not supposed to be at work, be that a weekend, be it a day off in the week, or be it absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, never, ever on holiday. Wednesday. I was in Mountain Warehouse today. Um, Bops up a nice T-shirt as it goes. Um, But... I saw they they have a version of a dry rope. And if you don't know what a dry rope is, a dry rope is kind of the thing that has become... The, I first saw them in Cornwall. I don't know where they first started coming about, but they're, they're essentially there as as the kind of... You've, you've been in the sea, you've got your wetsuit on, um, or you've just come out from a paddleboard or whatever it is. And by the way, where did paddleboarding come from? Um and this thing is like a towel on the inside, but then it's like a coat on the outside. So it looks a bit like a, a big kind of dressing gown, a dressing gown, or a big kind of bathrobe. And obviously, it has the advantage of getting you warm and dry on the inside, but then protecting you from the elements on the outside. So it doesn't matter that it gets sand or water or what have you on the outside because it's it's designed it's designed for that. And, and I'm assuming Dry Robe is the original brand. I don't know if there were ever any other versions. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. But these things have become a, an absolute fashion accessory. Become it's you know the the the, the kind of um, attire for the day, particularly in Cornwall and to a certain extent in, in Devon, is is some form of wetsuit, whether it be a shorty wetsuit or a normal wetsuit, and a dry robe. That's that's the thing. And and then really really not cheap for what they for what they are you know if you'd said to me oh they're about forty fifty quid I go no oh, that's all right but they're not they're into the hundreds and the reason why I mention it is because I kind of thought to myself well there'll be some knockoffs of these that everybody else will have a version of them and they'll be loads cheaper so the so the dry robe one will be whatever and then you'll be able to pick them up for because they're actually quite a good idea I actually quite fancy one myself so I was in Mountain Warehouse and. They have a version, and it's quite nice. It's quite nice. It, the, the, the various colours, and they looked fairly well put together, and they're certainly substantial. But in their sale, 
they were 80 quid and they were down from 160. Now, whether they ever managed to sell one at 160, I don't know, because Mountain Warehouse is one of those places where nobody ever buys anything at full full price, but I like Sports Direct in that respect. But I was kind of a little bit, I was a little bit astonished because I didn't think that the kind of, okay, Mountain Warehouse is a high street store, but I I thought, do you know what? I thought the knockoff would be 30 or 40 quid. And it and it absolutely wasn't. And then, of course, you're into that thing of, well, if it's going to cost me 80 quid for a knockoff, then I might as well, however good the knockoff is, then then do I, you know, at that point, do you just, do you, do you buy, do you have the right label at that point? I don't know, which is terrible, which is absolutely terrible. Um, as it turned out, I didn't buy one at all because in reality, I, I, I don't do water sports and I don't even know why I wanted one. But I, it just the whole dry robe debate seems to be. I'm going to watch see how this plays out. Whether, um, whether it becomes something where it becomes acceptable to have the alternative, or whether it still sticks as dry robe all the way through. It's a bit like Crocs actually, because you know. Am I snobby now? I've only ever had Crocs Crocs. Would I wear a... Oh, I don't know. But you see, they're a lot cheaper, aren't they? The non-Crocs Crocs are five, six, seven quid, where, you know, it's 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 half and less, really. But I don't know. I don't know. Watch this space on that one. Thursday. We've been to quite a few places over the course of the week, and um, some of them I've really quite liked i i was expecting to or i was wanting uh, to like uh, tenmouth again and i did i did i thought it was uh, as i say i thought it you know it had fared fairly well um the 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 bits of the tower are a little bit a little bit sort of faded but generally it had it had fared well the promenade was still nice you know and and romantic notions aside about the pier so that was that was great. Uh, we had a ride to Exmouth. Uh, we went on the the ferry actually to Exmouth across the estuary, and I thought Exmouth was really really nice. Really enjoyed there. Thought that was a um, seemed an interesting place, and certainly um, some great restaurants and what have you. Look 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 really nice. Seemed like a nice place to spend some time. And the other place we went to, and we went on the train, and I thoroughly enjoyed the train journey, which is the the one that took you round the coast. Um, so I thought the, the train journey was great because not only do you go by the sea for part of it, but you also go down the estuary uh, at Emmouth and then back out through Newton Abbott and then back over towards the, the sea again. So I really enjoyed the train ride. It took about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. So that was really, really nice. Um, but Torquay itself, I just didn't get. I, I, I just, I, I don't understand what Torquay is and who it's trying to appeal to. Um, and of course, it, it has this kind of almost reverential place in in kind of English seaside town history. And I know there's the whole Faulty Towers thing, but Faulty Towers was set there because Torquay was a place in the in the whatever in the you know in the golden age of kind of going to the seaside uh, by train. Torquay was 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 down there, and of course, you'd got the whole. English Riviera thing and you've got the palm trees and the wide walkways and, and the big promenade and the big harbour and all that and yet it it's really it, it really seemed to be you know struggling to work out what its identity was and who it was trying to who it was trying to attract um, it kind of it kind of was like a poor man's 
Blackpool a little way, but not for for because because I don't know because it was trying to maybe cater for that kind of audience, but wasn't even quite managing to 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 pull that bit off. So I don't, it's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of hard to explain. I just found myself really struggling to get what Torquay was and what it was trying to be. While seeing what it probably could have been, it's a it's a very very big harbour, and it could be absolutely astonishing. It could be this phenomenal place to just go and wander around and enjoy the promenade and enjoy the harbour and sit out and have a drink and kind of al fresco thing. But it 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 kind of it was a harbour that was surrounded by seemed to be surrounded by lots of different versions of weather spoons, and and yet it. It deserved so much more, really. So apologies to anybody who lives in Turkey. And if anybody can shed any light on it, please do. I just, it, and maybe maybe I didn't see the right bits of Turkey, but I'd also had a walk up the high street and that was really, really tired and really, really kind of uh, run down. Um, and so I don't really understand what Turkey is trying to do or trying to be. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to wade in on the whole cream tea debate, as you probably thought I would do. Um, But I've kind of been thinking about it. And the one thing that struck me, and then I read it somewhere as well, was, and the only thing I can get to justify the whole cream on first thing, um, is that if you put your cream on first, you do get more cream. There's no doubt about it. You, uh, if you go jam first and cream on top, it's hard to get as much cream on. So if you really want a cream kind of hit, the Devon way of doing it is probably the better way of doing it. Uh, I'm not saying that that works because I also agree with something else I read, which is if you put the jam on and then the cream on top, that accentuates the sweetness of the cream. So I get that as well. In my head, that makes sense. But the only thing I'm clinging on to now is the fact that if you go Devon route, you get more cream, which could in of itself be enough to persuade you that the Devon route has some merit. Now, the other things I found out were that it probably does emanate from Devon because it probably emanates from this story of the monks in Tavistock Abbey paying people who were working there on some renovations with bread and and jam and cream Uh, and that's they were not paid them but they they gave them that as a sustenance and refreshment and then it it went down so well that they then started serving that to travelers and passers-by and um that would work that would kind of be how it then maybe moved on from there to Cornwall because people would stop there and they would have this refreshment and then they would take the story forward. Now, where that has some kind of merit is the fact that um the original scones, 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 uh were actually a sweet bread. Um so actually a proper cream tea is with a something that's a about the size or maybe a little bit smaller uh, than a traditional scone or scone um, but he's a but he's a sweet bread um, with the jam and the cream on top which again makes some kind of sense and I'm sure I've had cream teens in Cornwall where I've thought 
the the scone was more bread like. Um, so that would that would make a, a a lot of sense and would hark back to the whole bread thing. Now there is a version of it called a thunder and lightning, where you have golden syrup or honey, I believe. I don't know which one of the two. Golden syrup or honey instead of the jam, and that's called a, a thunder and lightning, which also sounds interesting. I suppose if we're going to come to the final bit of the debate. What my understanding with the research I've done is that in the royal household, uh, when Liz gets involved, it's always the Cornish way. It's always jam, then cream. So that it, I mean, I'm not a royalist per se, but if if the royal household that I imagine would do these things with with reverence and the correct etiquette if that's the route they're going down then maybe there's something maybe there's something in that i'm not quite i'm not quite sure um other than that it's very difficult to find out much more about a cream tea than than those little snippets um and there certainly doesn't appear to be a reason why you would do jam and cream or cream and jam doesn't seem to be any logic behind it, other than, um, other than anything that's anecdotal. I.e., if you if you think the because they're not served with butter, if you think the 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 cream is equivalent to butter, then you wouldn't put the butter on top of the jam. Makes sense. Um, but then, if you look at it the other way round, you wouldn't put the cream underneath any form of anything else. So I don't think we're any closer to understanding it that way round. Um but the whole thing of more cream it's not it's not done it for me. I've not changed my behaviour. The 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 cream tea I had when I was there I did the Cornish way, but maybe I'm pre programmed now. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna have to I might have to come back to this. Um but if you've got any more anecdotal evidence or you can throw anything in on this or you have any cream tea facts, I would be very interested to hear them. Anyway, back home, safe. Uh, had a really pleasant week. Just, just don't get talky, really. If you've enjoyed Therapy For Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.